Support for today's episode comes from Kits Creative, a Los Angeles-based digital agency that helps brands tell their stories and connect with more people across the globe. Now back to Healing Out Loud. I think it need, we need more people in this area of healing because there's so much trauma within our community. And I feel like I've gone through traumatic mm. experience but have been able to have mentors and guidance in a way that has helped me heal. And so I want to you know, give that. That motivates me to, to give back to younger generation to know like where did they come from? Where did their pam- family and parents come from? And to hopefully you know raise the bar in what it means to be Lao American and to get more students and kids in in school to finish their degree, to finish college, and just to be successful in life. So the community motivates me. Sabaidi and hello, family. Welcome to episode one of Healing Out Loud. My name is Rita Pemisai, and I am the creator and host of this virtual podcast space. And I hope you enjoyed episode zero, y'all. Like, literally, y'all are the best. I am just so overwhelmed with the amount of love and support I've received from just sharing my own personal story of healing. And so I'm just honored to be in this role to facilitate more healing and more stories that center the Lao American community and diaspora. So shouts to y'all for believing in this work. And as you know, there's not a lot of podcasters of color, much less women of color podcasters and femmes of color and even much less Lao Isan American women and femme podcasters I mean am I the only one well if that is so I want to ask you all a huge favor so at the time of this recording we are about one week old and we already have about 29 ratings and reviews on iTunes which is an amazing start So during the first 60 days of a new podcast, iTunes is trying to figure out if we have any traction and it will make a huge difference for people to access this resource in the future and for it to come out in search results. So my ask is to get as many people to subscribe, rate and review this month. So I want to ask that you pull out your phone right now and go to the page that shows all the episodes in Healing Out Loud podcast and your scroll all the way down to the bottom and click a high star rating and also give us a nice positive review in the comments. And make sure you click subscribe at the top so you don't miss it when new episodes come out. Thank you for joining me and supporting Law America sustain itself in this greater healing justice movement. For this week's episode of Healing Out Loud, I'm bringing on a very close friend and soul brother of mine, Sing Tong Duong Dara, and I can't wait for you to listen as we dive deep into so many great topics about healing, counseling, personas, fitness, food, you name it, we dive into it. And of course, plans for bringing more visibility of our Lao American community to mainstream media. And even when I was editing this episode, I was re-inspired by Sang's passion to build community across all different types of cultures while still being able to maintain ground in his Lao Americanness. And just to note, as you're listening, this podcast episode was recorded in 2018 while Sang was still an academic counselor at UCLA. And he mentions that in this episode. But now there's a huge life update. And just so you know, he's riding solo and I couldn't be more proud of him and him doing his own thing, whether he's out chefing, collabing or making funny videos. So just to recap, I know I took a lot of great insights from this dialogue with Singh and I hope you will, too. So here we go. Hello and welcome to the Healing Out Loud podcast, a podcast that explores Lao American storytelling, healing, and tools for sustainability. My name is Rita Petmisai and I am your host. I am hella excited to dig into this topic and really want to highlight the different voices that make up Lao America and begin to talk about mental health in our community and the various stigmas that surround it. 
So for this week, I have my first guest on my podcast who I am so excited to have this dialogue and conversation with my good friend and soul sibling, soul brother, chef, aka Sang Dong Dara. What's so, up, everyone? How are you doing? Hi, Sang. How are you doing today? I am great. And just, you know, I'm ready for you to be the first guest on your podcast. I'm super excited to be on it. So thank you. Yeah, of course. So thank you so much for, you know, volunteering your time here. And uh, very humbled to also be in your new place. My studio, production studio. Welcome. <laughs> I love it. And as we were talking, um, just love how, you know, this is a major step for you you in terms of mm-hmm. uh, situating yourself into your first place uh, and you're living in K-Town now? I am. I'm repping some, some Lao energy in K-Town. So Ooh. Come on over if y'all want some good Korean and Lao food. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for being on here and I wanted to give you some time to uh, introduce yourself sure. and maybe speak a little bit about um, how you came to become um, a chef. So first of all, just like who you are and and maybe how, um, yeah, you situated yourself in L.A. Okay, sure, sure. Uh, so my full name is Sang Tong Duong Dara. You hear those tones? <laughs> <laughs> I love um, it. Yeah, so I, I go by Sang, um, and I was born in Thailand in a refugee camp. And my family moved to the United States um, late when they were consolidating all the refugee camps. So we moved around 1991 uh, to Wisconsin, and that's where I was raised most of uh, my life. And, you know, fast forward, um, living in Hawaii for a little bit and then go jumping to California for work. Um, I found myself just living my dreams, living, you know, that California dream of pursuing what I've always wanted to do, food and counseling, the counsel, hashtag the counseling chef. Mm. Um, and I feel like I've situated myself in LA pretty well. It's been almost two years now, two years now, and I've just been having a blast building community, meeting new people, um, building what I want to see of my cooking career and really diving deep into my roots of how, what it means for me to be Lao American. So that's a short snippet of, of, you know, 20 or so years. Wow, 20 Mm -hmm. years young, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I'm so excited to dive a little deeper into uh, your Lao American story. And since my podcast focuses on uh, healing out loud and loud is uh, spelled L-A-O apostrophe D because we are centering Lao American narratives uh, into the... Uh, framework of healing justice. So, you know, I wanted to actually kind of dive into the topic sure. of healing itself and knowing that you have touched into the field of counseling. I mean, you are a uh, academic counselor at UCLA mm-hmm. yep. as well as um, a chef yes. uh, as your other time commitment. And so uh, knowing that these are part of your personas or part of who you are, uh, can you talk a little bit about what it has meant for you to dive into the counseling world and what was your drive into taking that um that path Mm, okay yeah definitely um so i think the first hat professional hat i wore was actually counseling um so to go back a little bit i uh, graduated my undergrad with a social welfare major with asian american studies and southeast asian studies and then I was a part of the McNair program, which you are familiar with. You are a fellow McNair scholar. Snaps you know? to that. Snaps to that. Um, and then I went directly, I flew directly to Hawaii right after without taking a break. And I did my master's in counseling psychology for two years. And so I was trained as a mental health counselor in that program. And I worked a lot with um, panic disorder clients, a lot of anxiety disorders, depression, um, and so a lot of the students and community members I was um, counseling was actually um, soldiers and students that that, that um, had panic disorder. So panic disorder was uh, where people have anxiety attacks and they feel like they're going to die at that moment. So it's mm. so debilitating. It's so wrecking in, in how they live. Their, they can't they can barely live their life because they don't know when these attacks happen. And they could happen like two to three times a day, five times a week. And it was that role I played as their therapist, counselor, 
in try in practicing um, what I was learning at the moment, and um, I was fortunate enough to be under a professor that really helped guide me in um, healing these people in various ways of using Skype actually and um, technology in in ways of of finding methods of healing for them. Um, so that's what I was doing for the past few years, and at the same time, I kind of um, split myself into, like, this is my professional uh, therapist counseling hat, and this is my uh, chef hat, and those two were always separate. Um, and so it wasn't until I moved to L.A. where I found, you know, I could actually put those two together, that L.A. is a very much of an accepting community of people that are different, that don't don't necessarily fit with the, the status quo of things. Um, and so that's when I decided, you know, my passion lies in food, but I still wanted to bring along um, that healing, that counseling mm. aspect of empowering people in their culture, in their their Lao identity or in their other identities and using food as a catalyst to drive that. Um, so that's where I want to go with my food career, my counseling career. And yeah, so I'm working as an academic counselor now at UCLA. Previously, I worked as a counselor at UC Irvine. Um, and I'm really feeling feeling the environment out to see how I can merge those two together because I feel like it is finally okay for me to put those two worlds together and people appreciate it. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, that gives me chills. Mm-hmm. Like just to think about uh, what power you can bring by uh, infusing both of these roles mm-hmm. into who you are. Uh, really interested, you know, before we dive into uh, how you want to infuse these two personas mm-hmm. of yours um, into the, the power of being that you want to impact communities moving forward. Uh, how... What was your motivation? Mm. What experience did you have Mm. to kind of just like uh, drive you into like healing work in general or like food work? You know, these are two powerful identities that you have. So how, how, what was that experience for you? Sure. My motivation for, for initially the counseling and healing uh, came, came from my upbringing. Uh, I would say, you know, being raised in, being a refugee and being raised with refugee parents, uh, being low income, being first generation, I had a lot of factors that statistically said, you're not supposed to make it. You're not supposed to be in this space. You're not supposed to be there. But at the time when I was younger, I saw my older sister, Dang, um, she was rocking, she was a superstar in academics, in school, and she was my role model at the time. And I was like, wow, if she can do it, I can do it. And I wanted to excel and be just like her um, and do well in school. And so I put my mind and energy and my motivation in just doing being a very good student. And it wasn't until I think at the end of my last year in high school, I was part of the International Academy where a select group of students got to study whatever they wanted around the world. And I think that really opened my lens about my background and what also helped propel me further into higher education. Um, so at the time, that's when I actually learned about Legacies of War, the nonprofit that Chanapa um, uh, leads the way. And that's a nonprofit that all, is all about advocating to remove the unexploded bombs and ordinances in Laos. And I knew that I was Laotian, Lao, um, but I didn't know what that word meant to me, to my family, what it came with. And when I was doing research, I discovered, like, you know, so many kids, families, they they get injured, they die because of these bombs that was that was a secret that the U.S. was involved in that, you know, it, it felt like something that was kept secret from me for all those years until I was like 17 years old and to discover that this is why my parents are over here, discover why that's why I'm over here. Like it gives me goosebumps just talking about it, just to think that like this is one of the factors that motivates me that I think it need, we need more people in this area of healing because there's so much trauma within our community. And I feel like I've gone through traumatic mm. experience but have been able to have mentors and guidance in a way that has helped me heal. And so I want to you know, give that. That motivates me to, to give back to younger generation to know like where did they come from? Where did their pam- family and parents come from? And to hopefully you know raise the bar in what it means to be Lao American and to get more students and kids in, in school to finish their degree, to finish college, and just to be successful in life. And so 
community motivates me. I'd say. Yeah. My family and community. Yeah. No, I love that. And I'm so happy you brought in that piece because mm-hmm. it is such an important part of our history that so many people in the United States actually are very unfamiliar with. And uh, so thank you for bringing mm-hmm. up that. And Laos is the most bomb country yeah. in the, the world. world. There's about how many? 210 Millions. million tons of ordinances. Yeah. Bombs, bomb beasts that were dropped in Laos for a period of nine years mm-hmm. by the United States uh, to stop, quote unquote, communism from spreading. Yes. And so just to give folks like some some of that historical context, uh, which is important to understand now why we are here mm-hmm. as Lao people. Right. So I noticed that you talked a lot about the healing portion or addressing the trauma that was within our our community, given the Mm -hmm. historical context of the United States intervention in Laos, right? And so uh, I'm also curious about uh, the other part of who you are in terms of food. Mm -hmm. So food is such a big part of you know, um, how you do your time. Now we see a lot of the content that you produce on your Instagram, on Facebook. And so I, I'm wondering what was that experience growing up that really drove you to, Mm. um, to really adhere to, um, making food, cooking food, loving food. What was that like? Um, food has always brought me a place of peace and comfort for myself and so I remember as a kid, I would, you know, fold fold egg rolls with my mom. Or it wasn't, it wasn't until I got to a certain age where my mom actually let me fold the egg rolls. And before then, it was always unwrapping the egg rolls, after, undethawing them and doing really simple stuff. But it was a time where yeah, I got to spend time with my mom and that I was, I'm the closest to my mom. And it was a place where I could really feel at peace um, with being a son and being part of the family. Uh, it also was a very uh, interesting time because, you know, usually in the kitchen, you usually see women. That's what people stereotypically think. And so I was battling with a lot of my own identities. Um, I am a queer Lao American. And so at the time when I was younger, I was closeted and I didn't want anyone to know, but I still was gravitating towards the kitchen. But then the kitchen was also seen just for women. So I was kind of like battling that. Um, uh, And it was, was, so I would just do the small stuff. It wasn't until I went to college when uh, I found myself, you know, really missing home, really missing Lao food. And I knew that I had the the memory and the taste and knowledge. And that was when I really started to cook, started uh, making my own food and inviting all my friends over, having like what we would do back at home, having potlucks and having people just come and enjoy food and enjoy company, enjoy community. And so all throughout my five years of undergrad, I would cook for my friends and they would just come over, have some pho, sticky rice, and they love the food. And I love, it's me, I love serving people and seeing how much food um, makes them so happy and so feel so welcomed and invited. And I think that's what I got from my mom. Um, and it wasn't, I didn't do this professionally until, uh, I would say, until I went into, until grad, after grad school, where I found myself as a counselor, but it wasn't as fulfilling. I still felt like, how do I incorporate cooking, like when I cook for my friends back um, in undergrad, but still do that as a professional? Um, and so that's when I was started searching on my own, searching to being very uh, forward thinking of searching what's available at UC Irvine. And I found that we had a, that a demonstration kitchen. And so I reached out and I was like, hey, I cook Lao food. You all don't have uh, any cooking lessons that have Lao food right now. Would you be interested? And I do not. I'm self-taught. I don't have a culinary background, but I am very passionate about food. And so the chef Jessica was took the risk and was like, "Sure, let's let's give you a try, Lao food." And my first class was Lao food at UC Irvine. It was the most memorable experience because everyone had a great time. I didn't know what I was doing, but <laughs> it turned out so well, and it felt so natural. Where I was able to communicate um, all my my upbringings, my my lessons I've learned from my mom, and really share it with people. And that was when I was I knew like I was an educator within the food area. I knew that I didn't want to work in the kitchen, like in the back, because I've worked at Panda Express before in a at a Chinese restaurant as a cook and all that. And but for me, I wanted 
be an educator within food, within um, healing. And that's when I just really started building myself um, in the food industry and start teaching. And now I'm here teaching professional cooking classes in Santa Monica of all these Asian cuisines. And it feels so fulfilling. Yes. Can we just like all listeners just give saying snaps to that story? Oh my God. Like, can we please? (laughs) Yeah, I I love that story. Just um, hearing it um, just makes me really happy because I feel like you have found what you are passionate about mm-hmm. and you can definitely make it your life's calling like yeah. you know and get paid for it right yeah, like get the coins yeah get all of them mm-hmm. so i'm just uh, really proud of you too Thank um you. we've known each other for about two years now i would say like two and a half three years when i first met you yeah but then we didn't connect until this past like over a year now and then yeah we just yeah been able to give growth within one another exactly counseling each other coaching each other healing healing each other (laughs) yeah so um together um if you haven't seen already we are known as singarita that is another identity Uh, another identity is that one person or two people we're still figuring (laughs) yeah we're still figuring it out um short intermission but uh yeah thank you so much for sharing that story um and i love you know you being able to really um, be empowered by what was taught at home and not mm. necessarily what was taught in culinary school. Yes. I think that's a really big distinction with a lot of the folks that um, have come now to become prominent chefs mm-hmm. and that how you have been able to take the stories and the, the lessons and the just the, the culture that was a part of your family and your life into the professional world. And so could you talk maybe a little bit about what, what elements do you take from home? What Lao lessons do you take from home? Yeah, what yeah. do you interweave in your work now that is healing, that is is love, that mm. is liberating for you in your professional um, identity or career? Well, all that makes me think of how in this world we live, this Western world, we we are said that this paper defines who you are. And that's what I want every time I meet a student, whether it's counseling or student in in a cooking world, I tell them, you know, you do not need to be defined by the paper you hold. You are the the craft, you craft your own life where you want to go. So I've said this multiple times where, you know, you need to say what you want to become in order for me to help you. Um, And I think that's what I've done. I, I, I model that for myself because if I'm able to do it, then I know other people that look up to me, that that see my path are, you know, if he can do it, I can do it too. And I, that's what I want for my Lao American community. And so a lot of the times, I, you know, the cult, the Lao culture, I definitely hold with me of, you know, the Bopen Yang. It, it means, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's okay. No worries. Sabai, <laughs> sabai. We're always good. We're always good. Relaxing. And relaxing. And I think that's also my nature of just being very uh, mellow, um, at, at, when I need to be mellow, but then charismatic when I need to bring Bisengse out. You know, that's another identity. Um, yeah, and we'll talk we'll about talk that about in that. the uh, part, two <laughs> part two of uh, this um, series. So. <laughs> yeah, um, and so being raised Lao, for my, my experience, being raised Lao American, we always ate at home. We always we ate on the ground um, until I was in high school. I didn't even know a table existed. Mm. Um, we ate on the, the sat, the mat, and it was just a communal family experience. And even on weekends, we would go to uh, parties with other Lao families and experience that community together. And so that's what I, I would definitely drive when it comes to whether it be healing or doing um, cooking lessons to provide that cultural experience. There's value in everyone's culture. Um, I think sometimes we're, we're, we're raised in a way that shames you, not our family, but from the outside that you need to conform to these standards. You need to be this in order to excel in, in the States. And I don't think that's right. And so that's what I want to show. Be, my way of being loud is to show that mother youth that you can be loud, but also intelligent, also ex, um, amazing mm. in all your other crafts. That it's, you can be all these identities. More on our conversation right after this. 
So let me tell you about our dope sponsor, Kids Creative. When I thought about building my website and who could give it the vibe I was seeking, I reached out to them to help bring my vision to life. I was very impressed with the way they carried themselves. Hella professional and they truly cared about what I wanted. It helps to know that their mission is to support underrepresented communities, raise their businesses platform, and extend their reach. Most importantly, I relate to their stories as they, Tony and La, are also law Americans from refugee backgrounds who have been able to overcome odds and heal in their lifetime. Now, they're joining forces to start a business that will support other businesses get on the map. So if you're looking to start building your dream website, Kids is offering an amazing deal of up to $500 off a custom website to Healing Out Loud listeners. So go on and head over to kidscreative.com forward slash Healing Out Loud and have your website up in one week. Right. And so I, I want to know what is healing about your cooking Mm. What is healing for you um, and, you know, incorporating what it means maybe to be loud yeah. like a, or just remembering our stories. But yeah. what in its essence is healing about cooking? Healing. Oh, wow. So I feel like healing and cooking, it does. It goes both ways. It's a, it's a very positive cycle for me. It heals myself when I'm cooking. It's very therapeutic for myself. But then mm. when I serve people, I saw. I also see in a way of, it soothes people's souls. It really brings out um, people's vulnerable side. They're they're able to talk about things they may not have been willing to talk about. And so that's why I like to do one on ones with people. I love cooking for people and like really getting to know them through food. Uh, mm. That's a chance where you're, mm. you're, you two or three are sharing the same dish, especially in Lao culture. You share one big bowl and you have your sticky rice. And, you know, you have natural conversation that you you'd really dive deep into people's lives. And uh, for me, that's the catalyst that, that, like, brings it all together. And when I'm in the kitchen by myself, that's my, my time that I really thrive and just, like, my own zone, creating my own craft. Uh, I use Lao food, Lao culture is my foundation when I'm doing anything cooking, like my macarons, Lao flavors. Mm. Um, and I think that's what makes me unique. So why move away from that when that's what I love and that's what people gravitate towards when with who I am mm, yeah that's beautiful and just to hear you say like how food or just cooking in general mm-hmm. how it brings different people together is there a story that you have where it was you know besides um you're cooking at Irvine which brought a lot of folks yeah. together has there been an experience recently or in the past that you've had that was really moving for you mm. as you cooked and brought um uh, people together through food yeah it was actually recently um it was the LA Times event that was probably my biggest event of my cooking career so far. And so How thank did, you for coming. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I want to talk to, let, you know, like the listeners and audience know how yeah. that came about. How were you contacted by LA Times yeah. and who uh, who you cooked with? I know mm. there's a couple other chefs yeah. that cooked with you and you invited people, your fans from yeah. uh, LA just to come and watch you cook. But could you talk a little bit about that process? Yeah, it was a very powerful moment and event for me. Um, it really it felt made me feel established in the cooking world. Um, and it was a very organic um, event planning with LA Kitchen. And so I, for me, I love volunteering. When I, Once I moved to LA, I volunteered with LA Kitchen after Googling them and found that, you know, they help serve, feed the homeless and cook food and vegetables that would otherwise be thrown away. And I was like, oh, wow, I need to get involved with this nonprofit. And so I did. And so fast forward a year later, you know, they know that I am I'm in love with cooking and passionate about it. And so they reached out to me and they asked me, do you want to be part of the Southeast Asian um, cooking night where you get to be um, cooking with two other chefs, Chef Diep and Chef Isa, um, a Vietnamese chef and a Filipino chef. And it was as an exchange of cultures at the same time watching the audience, all different types of people around all areas of life, including Lao, Filipino, Vietnamese, um, all the kinds. Um, they, it was there to, to just listen and to absorb all this culture that we were able to exchange with one another. And I love being able to represent Lao food because um, I feel like Lao food is very underrepresented. And for me, my, my mission and one of my, my main goals is to make sure that people know what Lao food is and not to always say it's it's just like this it's just a, it is different it is unique it is valuable 
And what makes it different, unique, Ooh, and valuable? Okay. Let's 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 let the audience let's let know. It, yeah, let's let them know. So Lao food, I like to describe it as um, very funky flavors combined with very fresh um, ingredients. So Laos is landlocked. So we and what does that mean? Landlocked means you, there's no ocean around it. It's all uh, surrounded by different countries. So Thailand, Cambodia, Burma, Vietnam, and China. Yeah. Um, so yes, it has influences. I mean, all the countries influence one another. Uh, but I, I believe that Laos has its own unique style of cooking. So that includes like a lot of stews. Um, a lot of bitter flavors in contrast with very fresh flavors. And also badak, one of the foundations, um, unfiltered fish sauce that drives the any dish that has it. If you know how to use it correctly, it, it adds so much umami flavor to the dish. Um, and then also uh, sticky rice. Sticky rice, the foundation of, of Lao food is sticky rice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and snack time. Anytime you're eating, you should always have sticky rice, okay? Okay, did don't, you hear that? Yeah, don't be Y'all, afraid of carbs, LA. Don't be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Sticky rice in the morning, lunch, yeah. and dinner. <laughs> so I think we're, we're very based on like stews and veggies, bitterness, um, funkiness, and just the methods of cooking, not, not just stir fry. Um, not just curries, but using a long list of ingredients. Like like Lao food, preparing Lao food can take a while because you have so many ingredients, so many months you have to wait for your badak to ferment, at least six months for for minimum okay badak, but a year for a good badak. Yeah, wow. Talk to your moms or grandmas to the recipe. Right? So let's let's get that going. And then I wanted to kind of do a little, like, a little off topic, but I know that uh, you are also known as Badak Bay now. Yes. And Badak Bay is, um, you know, a persona that you've also inherited uh, through, I believe, a fan. And so um, could you talk a little bit about what that persona means for you as you kind of Mm -hmm. like um, are... Uh, assuming this role as as a chef, right, yes. as a prominent chef up and coming, and yes. you've been in these uh, really large roles in LA Times, yeah. and you know you, you've cooked in SF, you cooked all over LA now. So Ali Wong, hello, and <laughs> and you've cooked for Ali Wong. Let's get that right. Yes. So can you talk a little bit about what is uh, who is Badak? Yeah, Bay? so Badak Bay was given to me by one of my Insta fans. She just mentioned one day I was posting a, a boomerang that. She showed me kind of like, you know, Salt Bay where he was uh, sprinkling salt, but this time I was sprinkling Badak. (laughs) (laughs) And so she's like, yo, you remind me of Badak Bay. So I was like, oh no, that sounds amazing. So I put, okay, I'm going to be hashtag Badak Bay. Yes. And that was when Badak Bay was born. And it's an identity that I... I feel it really resonates because I am, my career is looking more towards like food and entertainment and media. And so being the face, being one of the representatives of Lao food, combining the humor, um, good food and Lao all together, that's what I see Badak Bay becoming. Um, and I see, you know, it's really empowering to see people vibe with my energy my style of quirkiness and I've, I've always been uncomfortable when I was younger about how I was like in my own body, my own personality. But now in my late, late, late age, I feel <laughs> late like, age. <laughs> oh my God. I have a 52 year old uh, mind. If that's also a, wow. a situation. Uh, but I feel soul. I'm becoming more comfortable and empowered in who I am and that, you know, I don't have to change who I am. I can be, be a uh, Badak Bay and be okay with that. And people love it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Did and y'all hear wearing, that? We're wearing Badak Bay yes. shirts right now. For- <laughs> <laughs> I wish everybody could see this, but I'm actually repping Badak Bay as well. Yes. Uh, I also have a Badak Bay shirt. And as you mm-hmm. know me, and if you know me, you'll know that it will most likely be in a crop top, which it is. <laughs> <laughs> so we got Badak Bay squared here. Uh, well, thank you for that. And yeah. I love that, you know, it's just, it's just forever. I know I've felt really empowered by you you've always been empowering for me to just assume these different roles and that's just who saying is Mm. saying is just a really empowering human being you know and and lovable um very you know um loves 
Lao culture and just promoting Lao people. We just love Lao people, mm-hmm. right? And so um, just being able to assume these different personas and and be okay with that, I yeah. think, is is a huge step in the healing process of our community, mm, right? Being okay. I'm being okay with that, right? To, I mean, even you've mentioned it before, you know, in Western culture and society, how most oftentimes people will categorize you and put you in these different boxes, but instead you're able to kind of um, reject that specific mm-hmm. framework or lack of better words, just way of being and assume these different roles now. And I think that's beautiful. And like how for you, um, now that, you know, you've had Badak Bay, Mm -hmm. you know, been a chef and been a counselor, um, in talking about next steps for where you are at right now into, the next few years or a few months or however long, however you can mm-hmm. see in the future mm-hmm. for you saying and interweaving healing work into your chef work as yeah. well. How do you see this playing out? Yeah. Um, I definitely have like a five-year plan, 10-year plan. Okay. You know, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, I'm very excited for the present and the future. I see myself doing a lot um, within the healing and food world. Uh, right now, I teach at Gourmandise mm. in Santa Monica. That's where you can bring dates, bring friends for um, for recreational cooking classes. So, I, you know, I teach the Lao one, Vietnamese, Hawaiian, um, Korean, and a French macaron class for the kids. And I'm going to continue doing that. I'm going to, you know, continue building up my skills in communicating and educating and teaching about food. It's, I think it's so important for people to learn not just how to make food, but what is your, where's your food coming from and what's the culture behind it? How did, how did it get to your plate? Uh, who are the people that brought it to you? Because I think that's important and also puts more value when you're eating your food. Um, so, what I want to pause here mm-hmm. for a second. You know, you talked about uh, the importance of why people need to know where their food comes from, mm-hmm. and and if we've had multiple conversations yeah. about what is in the food, and, ter- and you're the one who yeah. kind of taught me, like you know, in terms mm-hmm. of like uh, macro uh, macronutrients, mm-hmm. carbs are also in vegetables, Ooh. y'all. If you all didn't know, that's a very yes. important uh, fact to know. Yes. <laughs> but why? Why is it important for people to mindfully eat? Oh, let's just let's oh, just name thank it. You for, okay, we're gonna name this. Thank you for bringing it of up. Of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so one of my biggest accomplishments that I'm so so personally just proud of I can say you know I'm proud of myself for doing it is uh losing over 100 pounds um so I was obese um I was almost I was over 250 pounds in high school and you know I think a lot of the times that impacted me like my my trauma all this other stuff that was my trauma that weighed me down um, and not knowing nutrition, things from my family, because, you know, they weren't raised to learn about nutrition. You know, it's a different environment, new environment that they do not know anything about. We're on food stamps. And so I ate whatever I needed. I was stress eating, um, doing everything with food. And it was detrimental to my health. And so I, when I went to college, that was when I decided for myself, I don't, I'm not happy with my body. I'm not happy with, I don't have a good self-esteem. And so I decided to just learn more about nutrition, learn about fitness and health and how do I use that in order to reach my goals. And so um, through the years of my undergrad and some in my professional years, I it was a journey of losing um, over 100, 100 pounds. And I think my, the last part of that journey, it's, I'm still on it, but I think the last um, high point of that journey was doing my ultra marathon which was so surreal to me. I tell people about it and they saw it, they tell me I'm crazy. I'm like, okay. Um, so ultra marathon is anything beyond 26.2 miles, a regular marathon. And so I did the beginner one, which is uh, 33 miles, 50K. And I trained for a whole year. And all the knowledge that I gained from my undergrad and grad school, I used it within that year to train. And so in that year, I became a vegetarian. I um, had a very strict eating plan, a very strict workout regimen, 
and I read so many books about running that people initially you'd think are boring, but if you actually give time for these books, they are one of the most motivating. I think that's also what helped me push through that year, um, learning about other people's experience in their running journey, because it's not just about running, but it's about all this past experience that helped propel you in doing this huge uh, 50K run. Um, and so that's why nutrition and knowing where your food comes from and educating people is so important because a lot of times food industry is is they're all about making money. And it's so sad to see that. And I don't want my kids or my community's kids to be falling into that kind of trap. Like, you know, it's okay to splurge, to eat your hot Cheetos, but it's that balance that we, we want. And it's more of the, most of the time in our Western world, a lot of the world is, uh, the Western world is obese. And I think a lot of money has to do with that. A lot of power has to play a part in that. So making sure, at least for me, I educate my community, the Lao community, in what we're eating and how our Lao food is actually very healthy. Wow. Drop. Drop the <laughs> phone, the mic, the glass. Oh my gosh. Like, this is so powerful. It's such a powerful story. Thank you. So, thank you for sharing, yeah. saying. And I think I'm just always admiring the just the, the type of resilience that mm. you share and you bring into. Um, our Lao American community, yeah. and this this is such an important, um, like, and powerful journey that you have had, and not only doing um, like counseling work, but you know, doing food work, but also like doing fitness work mm-hmm. too. And I know, like, uh, this part of your journey, which you just let us know that you yeah. lost about a hundred pounds, has kind of also. Um, empowered you to yes. also be a fitness instructor, some, kind uh, of. Some, some knowledge, so some guru. You, okay, can you can you talk? Maybe uh, give a couple lines about yeah. that. Um, so I, I feel like all the things I've learned, whether it's like teaching food, but but also it plays a part in how I use food as a vehicle to drive health, drive culture, drive whatever it's driving. Um, so I also like it empowered me to lose all my weight and to feel confident into doing whatever I want to do. And the world is your, 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 whatever oyster. you want, your oyster, whatever you want to create it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have helped, uh, my friends, um, helped lose some pounds. Like one, my one friend, he lost 30 pounds because I structured my plan knowing how I did it. I know that everyone has different ways. So he lost 30 pounds, and I was shocked that it worked. Um, but <laughs> what, what was the thing that uh, made it work, or what was that sp- well, magic? You know, it's funny because healing in fitness, like, yes, in physical form, I was large, but it was I had to heal mentally before mm. I could heal my body. Mm. And so I think that's where it came from. I, I was at a point where in, in my mind that, you know, I was sick of it, I was tired of it, and I'm going to push forward because I need to do it for myself and for my community. And so when I'm working with my friends, I, I tell them that a lot of the time it's going to be mental strength, uh, perseverance, resistance, um, uh, resilience that's going to really give you the results. And then once we can – and I think also my counting background helps that kind of – is. I'm able to listen to them, see, hear what what factors are, what walls are in front of them right now, and how do we break those walls and go to move forward. And so I use a lot of my counseling and also my fitness work um, to work through those issues. And then once I see that they are confident, they are 100% willing to be part of this program, then I give them those extra tools of nutrition and fitness, talk about macronutrients um, and all that. And in just like three months, a couple of months, they're able to lose a few pounds, so 30, 10, however much. And what is the, because I know about the program, but yeah. our, our listeners don't know, what is the catch of the program if uh, they don't complete okay, it? Here's my business. <laughs> <laughs> so my catch is that I don't it's free. I don't want any of your money. I what I what makes me what makes me happy and what helps me thrive is to see success in my friends, in my community, in whoever I'm working with. And so I tell them you get you're on 3 months with me. It's kind of like you're married with, to me mm. and you here's my plan. You have to commit to it. And if you, for some reason you fall off or you don't do what you said you would do, you owe me $50. Ooh. And so it's really on them to commit all the way in showing like how strong are they physically and mentally. 
Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So if you listeners, you want me part saying fitness, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret business of his, uh, right? Low key business. Low key low business. Key business. Yeah. Trying to make people successful by uh, warning you that he will take your money if you don't. Versus, mm-hmm. there's, there's actually a place, a fitness place in LA that people pay actually five hundred dollars, like kind of what I'm doing. Uh. But if you don't, they, they you owe them five hundred. So I'm, I'm pretty oh, cheap. Okay. okay, fifty like Maybe compared to a hundred. <laughs> Maybe we do incremental increases. Yeah. Uh, wow, this is an amazing program. Mm-hmm. So if uh, any folks are out there uh, looking to. Uh, May I add, like, you know, to be mentored or coached yeah, by saying... coaching. Yeah, because yeah, I know there's also a Google form that you fill yeah, out. That's where I see if you're ready or not. Yeah, yeah. and so there's an also an intake process, so you get to um, really um, have a um, a process of of edu- being educated about what, what this program can offer, right? Yeah, and I also want to note, like... I think fitness, losing weight, and being healthy is very broad. Um, just because you're skinny does not mean you're healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and just be- there's, it's my way of doing it. It doesn't mean it's going to work for you, but I, I usually emphasize that you're going to gain some knowledge that you're going to implement in your own way. Whether you, you do it all the way or not, it's, it's on your choice. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And it is about self-determination and it is, um, you know, giving the power back to yes. that person, right? And knowing that, yeah, Sang's been through it, y'all. And he also has a video online on oh, YouTube. Yeah, so we got like ten over 10,000 views. Woo! 10,000 views. And so, see me naked. Well, just my shirt. Shirtless. Just shirtless. If you want to see Sang shirtless, but also um, just note the transformation. I think yeah. that's the most important part of that video, just even this. Uh, talking about this process yeah. it's just the 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 rigor the vigor and resistance mm-hmm. that you have um kind of placed upon the food industry you've just like you know yeah, not letting like them, them out yeah call them out mm-hmm. right um by actually you know being able to say no and yes. say yes to yourself and mm-hmm. no to whatever it is they're trying to sell you the more no's you say is the more yeses you're giving yourself mm, say mm-hmm. that again so yeah we've learned so much about you saying and you know we've talked about your your healing process and addressing trauma in the community we talked about your passion for food especially um the uh especially involving the law food movement or mm-hmm. just uh law food in general and we talked about um, your overall fitness journey um, and how you're able to build mental strength yes. through your transformation um, and, and growth, right? And so um, I want to kind of like leave audience and listeners um, a couple notes. Um, and you've offered so much already, um, but if there was um, maybe three self-care tips mm. or it could be framed as um, healing tips, yeah. right? And it's because our uh, my podcast is named Healing Out Loud. You know, mm-hmm. we want to center self-care and healing um, as a verb, not just a noun. Um, what are three um, tips that you would want for our listeners, um, for them as they kind of uh, go along their journeys of life through your experiences um, living on this earth. Sure. So my first tip is rooted in my counseling background. Um, So that would be guided meditation and also deep breathing. A lot of times I I use this practice in the panic disorder clients and they they showed improvements within the three months of practicing this on a daily basis. So on the internet, you can find so many free podcasts, um, sounds of people just talking, guiding you through, whether it's the forest, the ocean, whatever you like, in a really mellow, calm way, whether it be five, 10 minutes, however long you have. But I would say, you know, dedicate 30 minutes a day um, to just whether it, to meditation in general. Um, I, I usually tell uh, students first guided meditation because that helps them transition into, into just meditating on their own. The, my second tip 
um, goes along with my fitness uh, is, you know, regulate how often you eat out. So restaurants, a lot of them are all about selling food that is quick, that tastes really good, and not necessarily does mean it's going to be healthy or not healthy. Uh, but making sure you regulate how often you eat out, saying maybe you say once or twice a week and the rest of the time you eat in and you meal prep. So meal prepping and eating out, regulating how often you eat out. And then my third tip is finding time for yourself. For me, I'm very much of, I'm in, I'm in the middle now. I've seen that I'm, I'm becoming more of an extrovert, which is weird to, for me to see. But um, I grew up as an introvert, knowing that I need time for myself to really rejuvenate, recover from being out at parties, out at gatherings, and just cooking alone. Um, and that really draw, it gives me more energy for the day to to be more um, to be more su- successful in giving counseling, giving tips to other people. You need to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. So again, meditation. Second one is prepping for food um, and limiting your uh, number of times you go out to restaurants. And third is just taking time, finding time for yourself to to rejuvenate. Wow. Yes. Beautiful. Wrapped up in a present. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, this wraps up uh, my time with you saying Mm -hmm. I'm so appreciative of our time together. I know I always get rejuvenated when I'm with you. So thank you for that. And (laughs) kop chai lai lai. No worries. No problem. You just heard a conversation between Rita Pemisai and Sang Tong Dong Dada, chef, counselor, Badak Bay, and professional collaborator. You can access resources from this conversation in the show notes. I want to send a huge thank you to Sang for being the first guest of Healing Out Loud. And also shout out to all y'all for listening to us share some wisdom and LOLs, our favorite things to do. Hope you all felt those energy vibes all the way from Los Angeles to your home. If you're interested in sharing feedback or topics you'd like to see on this platform, you can email me, healingoutloud at gmail.com. Remember to follow Healing Out Loud on all social media handles at Healing Out Loud on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. This is a one-person volunteer team, y'all, a.k.a. it's me, Rita P., I am spending my own money investing in costs going towards the podcast hosting site every month, technical equipment, travel. And so if you're in the position to support financially, you can either make a one-time donation by donating via PayPal at paypal.me forward slash healing out loud, or you can become a monthly sustainer at patreon.com forward slash healing out loud. And even if you can't chip in financially, one huge way to support the sustainability of this virtual space is to go into iTunes and go to the podcast page for Healing Out Loud and subscribe, rate, and review to help us continue. Thank you nonetheless for tuning in and your commitment for healing within the Lao American community and diaspora. Shout out to Los Angeles Roots members, Andrew David Bailey Tong, for mixing and producing the beats for this podcast, and Mystery Person Lao Supply for the logo design. Finally, a new episode of Healing Out Loud will be published every other week on Monday. So joining us in two weeks is Lao American guest Joy Nelsie Vat, voted number one female DJ in Las Vegas, host producer of Lao AM TV human rights advocate, and much, much more. I'm so excited to bring her wisdom and teachings to Healing Out Loud. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll hear you in two weeks, Pinong family. Twerk on you next episode.